Hey, it's Chris Tannehill. Locked on White Sox is back. We got quite a weekend to recap, and it's brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Now, let's start the show. White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. Echnowall23 is the handle on Twitter. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Lockdown Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Go there and subscribe. You might get a Lockdown Socks prize pack. Uh, 312-566-8727. I think people are going to be using that. That's our voicemail. 312-566-8727. That is <sighs> Baines, AJ, Burley, Orta, Jackson, Fisk, and then Tim Anderson. Another thing we could be sad about tonight. Lockedonsocks at gmail.com. So, Chris, how are you doing tonight? Uh, horrendous. So, the White Sox won on my birthday on Friday for the first time, I think, in seven years. So, that was fine. But they didn't win a game after that. And I'm wondering here if they'll ever win a game again. Um, if anything good will ever happen to this franchise and to us as people who are White Sox enthusiasts. So, uh, that's not... Uh, how you would prefer it for things to shake out in a four-game series in Anaheim. The Sox dropping three of four, and mm. the, the Sunday night game last night, one of the more excruciating games I, I ever uh, remember being a part of. I don't know if it's just because we're all on edge because these games have all gone late on the West Coast. I don't know if it was the bad broadcast. I don't know if it was the non-existent offense. I don't know if it was the blown leads late. I don't know if it was the bad defense. I don't know what it is here, Herbie, but this game tonight was – Ugly. Uh, where sh- where should we start? Uh, where should where should we begin uh, our ire tonight? Should we talk about this bad broadcast? Should we talk about this this offense, which is lethargic? Should we talk about this bullpen, although not horrendous, didn't get much help, but uh, didn't do itself any favors tonight, giving up two home runs to Jared Walsh, uh, and why wouldn't you? Um, no scouting report on Jared Walsh whatsoever. Uh, so where should we start tonight, Herbie? Where should we start today? Happy Monday, everyone. And by the way, before we get started here today on the show, uh, happy belated Easter to everyone out there. Hi, everybody, and welcome. And a very happy Easter to each and all out there. And also for all my Greek brothers and sisters, Christosanesti, Alethosanesti. So where should we start tonight, Herb? Dealer's choice here. Go ahead. I'm going to start with the bad broadcast. All right. It's just, it's not, you know, Matt and, and uh, A-Rod, they're bad by themselves. And I used to be a Matt Vaskirjan guy, but just too hokey. And the broadcast was set up as a Shoei Itani thing featuring the White Sox. Yeah, let's get to that. So Lucas Giolito coming after uh, coming after a strong performance in the opener. Uh, you know, and, you know, becoming one of the more prominent faces in baseball as far as pitching goes. It, he had uh, his opportunity with the crew tonight, and obviously, what else are you going to ask Lucas Lucas Giolito about other than Shoei Otani, right? Hey, Lucas, I'm on. Yeah, you're on. Can you hear us? How's it going? Hey, we're great. Thanks, yeah. thanks for joining us. We're kind of watching this Shohei Otani show, 
Uh, for somebody like you who knows what it takes just to pitch, what what do you think about when you contemplate this skill set? You could land a jumbo jet in this silence, by the way. This gap here, listen to this. Uh, it's <laughs> really good. I mean, he can hit it far, and he's throwing 100. So I'm hoping that we hang a 10 spot on him, but <laughs> Got it. he looks pretty good so far. First question out of the gate about the other team's starting pitcher. That's just that. If that is not the essence of White Sox baseball in the primetime spotlight, I don't know what is. Yeah, just so like get him on. Like you can, that's a, you know, when you're in a scrum, you don't want to ask that question that's just going to stop the press conference. That's the question right there you want to ask at going out. Hey, so Lucas, we asked you all about yourself because you are a top ace pitcher. How about the pitcher around uh, that you're that you're uh, facing today? Would you see that Shohei Itani's got that good stuff? Blah blah blah. That's a pitch. That's a question you ask at while you're sending him away. But yeah, it, to start off the interview with that, it sets a bad tone and it's just the broadcast was really bad. Like I don't know how many times they missed shots. Like. Uh, somebody was stealing like Larry stole a base that we did not see him steal Yep. because the camera didn't switch over. There was like uh one time where the ump was looking at a ball somewhere else that was behind yeah. home plate. What was and that? Then- I was finishing up dinner uh, at my, at my parents' house, so Easter dinner. What was going on there with that ball? It was just a ball that was behind <laughs> home plate. And then somebody might, might've said, Hey, that ball's behind home plate. It could be a distraction for later. And Larry Van over went over was like, it doesn't matter. Go. Let's keep on playing. That whole time, they're just looking at the bunting and the thing that says opening series on on the field. I'm like, who's doing the dim, the the directing here? It was just so poorly directed. I don't know that whole loud sound for every single at bat. Yeah, is disconcerting because yeah, the Shoitani one was a rocket. It should have that sound, but. I think a Nick Madrigal one, which well, I think went off the bat at 102, shouldn't have the same sound. It should be representative of, hey, this is a real home run, and this is a good hit ball, but it shouldn't have equal sounds where I'm jumping up. It's like, oh, hey, snap. That's a crushed. And they were doing it, too. The the broadcasters, Vaskirjian and A-Rod, were doing the whole, oh, man, that's gone. And it's a warning track ball. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about setting the tone. A-Rod didn't help by doing his uh, Bob from Nile scouting report on Jose Abreu. And with a lineup and, and an entire roster, Alex, filled with superstar talent, there's probably not one more important name than Jose Abreu. Oh, the big Cuban from, from Cuba, Jose Abreu, is fantastic. He's their everyday <laughs> star. He's their leader. Getting this new Cuban slugger, I guess, from Cuba. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, A-Rod. Um, but it was just <laughs> it was a bad night, and you mentioned the bunting. If you like bunting, this was the game for you. We'll get to that later. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the bad camera work, A-Rod, you know, sort of, you know, placating to Reinsdorf the entire time, the, the Tony La Russa, uh, you know, public relations, you know, spotlights inning where they just talked about how great Tony La Russa is and was for the entire inning. It was just not good. But things just started very ominously. Uh, Tim Anderson with the hammy to start the game. You know, A-Rod talking about a wet bag being out there. You know, maybe he he, he hurt himself on a wet first base. Uh, but even though clearly it was a hamstring thing, and that's ultimately what it ended up being, White Sox Do you think State, he would blame that on Roger Bozart? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Not Roger no. Bozart. Uh, he would not blame it on him. Um, he would never do that. We all know the Sodfather wouldn't do that anyway. Um, so, yeah. T.A. is going to be day-to-day. I hope he can go tomorrow, man, because 
without Tim Anderson, who's who's not playing great, by the way. He's not he's not hitting all that well. I mean, he's not 0-4, basically, but he's you know he's not coming out of the gate like you want him to. Offense without TA, it's bad, and you get lots of Jose Abreu pressing and lots of slap hitters that you're relying on for your offense. This offense right now is is not good, and that's just the story of tonight. But it just it's just so frustrating. Through through the you know very short sample size here, four games. White Sox seventeenth in OPS, eighteenth in slugging, tenth in OBP, tenth in batting average. Uh, only four home runs in four games. Uh, that's good for twelfth overall. It's just it's not good, and they can't afford to be without TA for an extended amount of time. Not at all. It's I don't know what it is. I know it's the beginning of the year, but people, I don't know how many times I got to say this. If just turn these games around if they're not one, two, three, and four, if they're one fifty nine through one sixty two, you would be furious. They count the same. So you should be furious that they're not executing these games where they're not getting runners in from scoring position. Second and third on Saturday night, no outs, and they don't get anybody in. That's poor. Where the team today. There's a guy on second, and you've got your best hitter, the MVP up, Jose Abreu, and he strikes out. That can't happen. You know, And then you get Johan hit a ground ball to second base. That can't happen. It's just execution. You have to come through in these times. We're happy, and we had good things. Your means been great. It's been a great revolution, revelation. But the offense has struggled, struggled mightily. The defense has struggled mightily. The bullpen has struggled mightily. And the starters, Sands, Keichel, haven't been great. They've been good. I mean, Lucas was a good performance, pretty much. And uh, Lance Lynn didn't get through five, and that's a thing that you want for Lance Lynn at minimum to Be, do. Yeah, because of the of pitches. yeah because yeah. of the defense, like the the bad defense, the ball doinking off Lou Bob's head. Yeah. You know, had Lynn, Lynn going out there for a lot longer than he anticipated. You know, extending his outing. You know that that's not good, but. It's just, just a, a comedy of errors and and say what you want. Like we do not. I, I thought Oakland was our bugaboo, but we don't play well in Anaheim either for some reason. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I remember thinking about it before the 05 uh, ALCS, like the same thing. Like I always associate West Coast with the White Sox with bad. I, I think about Oakland and the House of Horrors there. I think about Anaheim with with just overall over the years solid teams like you know teams that are you're good enough to beat but somehow find a way to beat you like this ace this Angels team is a pretty pretty good team I think you know depending on how the Astros have a role to play in that race I think this Angels team can compete this year I don't know if the Otani thing Otani thing is sustainable throughout the course of a year but the lineup's pretty good and you, you think about Seattle and I think about you know the 11th inning and Scotty Pods getting picked off of third base and extra innings oh, like geez. I think about stuff like that so uh, I hope you don't have more about that. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things ever um and then you know so we have more of that to come but it's just overall just I, I don't know what it is you know I thought this would be a good thing for the this team to start out on the road you take away the expectations uh, of of a, of a fan base that's been wanting to see you for uh, you know almost two years and now it's it's the opposite I think the the expectations are all internalized and you know the Sox put a lot of pressure on themselves this offseason like you know we're the best team in the American League this and that and you know people like me you know touting them as it still uh, fair to, to see them as that but you know it's just I, I think maybe we're just dealing with a team that needed to have their teeth kicked in a little bit and to have a little heat check moment here 
in uh, Anaheim by a team that is, I wouldn't say this Angels team is better than them, but no. they, they executed better than them for sure, offensively, defensively. Their bullpen is going to be a rough go the rest of the year here with Joe Madden you know, behind that. Um, but he doesn't have as many horses as the White Sox do in that pen. But but back to starting pitching, Herb. Dylan Cease tonight, his line, four and two-thirds, five hits, three runs, all of them earned the three walks, just three strikeouts, not good, and the one very loud home run, which I can still hear uh, from Shohei Otani. What do you make of Dylan Cease's outing tonight, Herb? It was a lot of non-competitive pitches early on. So the first inning, he's throwing sliders or whatever his secondary pitches are way off the plate where a guy is not even going to offer at it. So why throw it? And so they're just sitting on the ball he can get over the plate, which is a fastball. And 96, 97 doesn't matter. You're throwing an elevated fastball. Usually those are dangerous when people are not looking for them. But if you can't get anything else over, people are just going to crush. And that's what Shoei was sitting on. If you're throwing 98 in a high fastball, that's usually a good, good thing. But if you can't get anything else over the plate, Shoei Tani and guys like that are going to be sitting on that high fastball, and he murdered that pitch. So, yeah, it seems like the same things that plagued Dylan Cease in the past, the lack of confidence, the lack of, hey, I have still good stuff. Let me throw over the plate and let these guys hit it. And, yeah, my defense hasn't been great behind their other pitchers, but let me trust them. It's better than giving up these walks that I usually give up. And he didn't strike a lot of people out. He gave up as many walks as he gave up a strikeout. So three and three, that's not good. And four and two thirds, it's right on the edge of where I want him to be. If he gets through five and gives up those three earn, I'm fine. I am fine. It's not ideal, but it is cool with me. So his outing was terrible to good. And then not getting through five is the troublesome part for me. Um, I would think, and it's only one start, that I would see something different from Dylan Cease from the Ethan Katz, you know, tutelage. But I'm seeing the same guy out there, and I don't want him. And it's mostly, mostly himself, I think. It's just him not trusting and believing in what he has and what he can throw and what he can offer because those non-competitive pitches are not because of mechanics. Those are because I don't want to get hit hard. I'm going to throw this ball into the left-handers batter's box because I'm scared of getting this hit. You know, that's an interesting point. You know, I was listening to to Len and DJ uh, on the way back from my folks' house tonight, and DJ said, like, he was pitching scared, you know, with that fastball like you just mentioned. Like, you know, but after Cats came out, he settled down a bit and he started just going, throwing the breaking stuff for strikes. You know, he didn't trust the fastball, which is fine. Like I wouldn't trust it either at that point if I was him, but he found a way to settle in and get some outs, which, which leads us to that, that final batter. Uh, you know, when, when Tony pulls cease in favor of Cody Hoyer, uh, a righty cease for another righty Hoyer against the hot handed, uh, Jared Walsh, a lefty, um, I know they said the splits for Hoyer last year against lefties were pretty favorable, but to me this seems like I'm going to question Tony La Russa here. I know you can't do it for his bullpen management, but it just seems – I don't care what the numbers tell you. It just seems to – a guy that's swinging the bat as well as Walsh has been, why bring in a right-hander to face him in that spot? It was just kind of baffling to me, and why not let Dylan Cease just finish it off if that was going to be the case? I didn't mind him taking out Dylan Cease at that time because Dylan didn't earn that – 
uh, spot. But yes, I did mind him not, you know, doing the lefty lefty thing and bringing in Garrett Crochet. I don't know if he was available or not. Doubt it. Yeah. A couple innings. Yeah, Aaron Bummer would have been a little early in the game to bring him in. He pitched a little later in the game and was Aaron Bummer. Um, he looked like Aaron Bummer again. But yeah, I would love to have uh, the lefty lefty and make him look really bad, Jared Walsh, because he sat on the fastball. It was like, it wasn't a bad location. It was middle in, and Jared uh, Walsh just put the head down and crushed that ball. It was a murdered shot. And the, the later home run, all same thing. He just went opposite field on it, and he knew it. He knew he got every piece of that ball. So, yeah, I would uh, question Tony's going to the the close of the uh, reliever that he did. Uh, I would have definitely went with Aaron Bummer there. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just cap it by saying this. We're going to come back next segment. We're going to talk about some of the good things that did happen this weekend, although it's not many. When you talk about just getting one win in a four-game series, it's not ideal. But there are some interesting things that happened this this weekend. But before we do that, just a, a closing thought here on this four-game set against the Angels. Look, this team, it, it you know, they may end up missing Eloy more than I anticipated. Um, but I don't want to judge them by how they performed this past four games. You know, you look at some of the OBPs, Yasmani 333, Jose 357. This is, you know, before uh, tonight's game updated, but other guys, Madrigal 250, uh, TA 214, uh, Vaughn, who I don't know why he didn't get in that bat uh, last night's game, uh, just 143 on base percentage. And then, of course, you can't look at your mean with this stout uh, OBP of around 900. But I guess what, what I'm saying is here, like, th- I think this team will end up hitting better than they're hitting right now, obviously. But I think the dynamic that Eloy brings to this this lineup, I think maybe we uh, understated a little bit. At least maybe I did. Um, this defense it's not going to be that bad the rest of the year. I hope. I know Luis Roberts not going to be that bad the rest of the year. Um, you know, and hopefully, with the defense getting better, the starters can stay in these ball games a little bit longer. And I think as far as last night with Dylan Cease, as far as that goes, maybe he's a little too amped up. You know, you're making your first start of the year, which is always a thing, and then it's on national television. I'll give him that. And then I just think he got he got shell shocked after that Otani home run because who wouldn't after hearing that gunshot blast from the ESPN uh, <laughs> effects mic? But I, you know, I am not concerned. I'm more frustrated than anything because these were all winnable games. The Sox were in each and every one of them. The more the most lopsided uh, win in the series was the, was the Sox uh, handing out that that ass whooping on Friday night or Saturday night. I don't even remember. Friday night. Friday yeah, night. Friday night. Yeah, it seems like it was ages ago at this point, uh, which we'll get to in the next segment. But uh, above all, I think this team's going to be okay. If they have a nice showing in Seattle, all will be forgotten. Usually I, I take uh, a split uh, in, in, a, in a road trip like this, but I think that we can't get a split now. I don't I don't think they, they play only three games in Seattle, correct? So, mm-hmm. so I, I don't think, you know... I think they'll take two out of three in Seattle because of the rotations in their favor. A lot of if big if tomorrow with with or tonight with Carlos Rodon on the bump, we'll have to see. That would be nice if he can have a strong showing in his first outing. But I, overall, there are some things that that are 
problematic here with the way this team is going right now, and this thing could snowball really quickly here. And I just can the Sox ever just get off to a good start in a season once ever? Other than don't tell me 2005, you know, and don't tell me 1983 either, because they were horrendous that year and they ended up rebounding and, and doing really well. Like, can they ever just have like a, a standard start? I know they had a, a shaky start last year in the 60 game season, but is it just uh, is it in the unwritten rules that the White Sox can't have a start that you feel good about? Like, I think this team will end up being okay, but it's not how you would have drawn it up in that first weekend there. Not at all, Chris, and it's uh, very disappointing. Uh, these were, like, if you're going to break down the four games, the White Sox at minimum should have had two of them. At minimum. And it's very sad that you're going away with only one versus this uh, Mar- I mean, this uh, Angels team, which I think has a great, great offense, but their pitching staff is subpar to me. That Otani's great, and he looked good, but he only got through, what, four and two-thirds? Dylan Bundy is a top-of-the-rotation pitcher. Excellent. We sh- we saw what we did to um, Heaney, and, of course, Cobb was fine, but he's not. Yeah, they should have Yeah, they should have gotten to Cobb. Yeah, so it's like well, there's so many opportunities. 0 for 11 today in runners in scoring position can't happen. These things are costing the White Sox wins early. So, yeah. I know you guys are out there like, man, it's early, guys. Let's just, we'll be fine. I don't know if we'll be fine. These are things that happened last year that are carrying over to this year, and I don't want it to be a theme. I don't want them to be down on themselves. I want them to say, we are one of the best teams in the the American League. Let's act as such. So the Sox are cellar dwelling right now with their one and three record in the AL Central, uh, game and a half behind the first place Tigers at two and one. The uh, the Twins also two and one there. So you know there's a lot of odd things going on in baseball right now. Astros four and zero already. The Orioles three and zero. You know it's a long way to go, obviously, and there are some good things to talk about from this weekend. Sadly, it's only on on the pitching side, really, but we'll talk about those things after a short time out here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, it's in the rearview mirror, but the NBA, College Hoops, National Title Game is tonight, and the NHL is even in full swing right now, and how could we forget baseball? There's so many opportunities for you to make a little cash every night at Bet Online betting on baseball. We've got a lot of West Coast games the first week of the year. What better way to keep you interested in keeping you awake than putting some money down on your favorite team that night? Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. The odds are updated in real time, and there's props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. Just head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget our promo code when you sign up locked on for that 50% welcome bonus. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Herb. So there were some fun things that happened this weekend. Uh, Really, it was only in the one game, uh, a game and a half's worth of fun things to talk about. But uh, no better place to start than with the, you know, of course, Yerman Mercedes is going to be a big story. I find it less cute 
today after uh, you know he left some runners on base as did everyone else in the lineup but i i was doing my grocery shopping this morning and i got a chance to to get some herb action on the radio Herb was a guest on uh, matt spiegel's show hit and run his sunday show on six seven to the score and and what do i have here i got matt spiegel doing body shaming truth be told when i look at your mean mercedes i see herb lawrence i see the body type um and maybe that's part of the love that bowling ball thing and i, I don't think herb would take it the wrong way I mean, look, I think Herb is perhaps just as athletic as your mean Mercedes while looking just as physically enjoyable. Yeah, so then I heard you pop on later when I was in the produce section and you were talking about the same things about the, the bowling ball type body. So you clearly didn't, no offense was taken, but the no. eight the eight for eight start to, to the, your mean Mercedes career, just a remarkable story. You know, I... Ultimately, I don't know what what he's going to do for this team, but you just ride the hot hand for as long as you can. But uh, the Angels pitching staff kind of carved him up real nice. I will say one thing, though. It did allow us for uh, to, to make a name for ourselves as we were living in your minds rent-free because everyone was thinking about Paul Wall when Yermin was doing his thing. I'm on a mission for dime pieces and sexy ladies. Allow me to introduce you to my... Yermin Mercedes! Yeah, so that's you know I'm, I'm glad I was able to make that a thing at least. That was like the only good thing that happened to the Sox this weekend was that kind of took off on social media a little bit. But yeah, the Yermin thing was fun, very fun. He finally got his shot to show exactly what he is about, what he's been doing for most of his minor league career, just hitting, just every time you o two pitches hit home runs on a, on a two strike pitch hit. All these things, spitting on pitches that are outside sliders. Yes, you're mean. Let's go. Today, or yes, on Sunday, the uh, broken bat single, and where the ump was like, you're out, and clearly he was safe by a foot and a half. Just, you know, another fat shaming got thing by Larry Van over the first base ump. He must be blind and or hate us fat dudes. So it was really, really uh, disappointing to see that. But Yermin has got the speed. He's got a three-game hitting streak going into Seattle where they're throwing two of three left-handers versus the White Sox. It's like they didn't get the goddamn manual. And I better see my man Yermin in every single one of those games. I don't care at the end of the thing is done, a right-handed pitcher. But have my man Yermin in the walk in the getaway game. Why wasn't Andrew Vaughn in the lineup tonight? I don't I don't understand. Like it just I, doesn't make sense. Like they it, talk this dude up so big, like, oh man, he's making this huge jump. Oh uh, yeah, that's um Billy Hamilton time. What? In Billy Hamilton's defense, he had some good at bats today. Really good at bats. Yeah. But he's still Billy Hamilton. He should only be hinch running. That's all his role should and, be on this and team. It was a true Willie Mays Hayes type situation because at one point in the game through the sixth inning, uh, there was two guys that hit the ball over two hundred feet, and you know Billy Hamilton had two of the three hits, or not even hits, just balls in play, and then Nick mm-hmm. Madrigal had the other one. So he's hitting the ball in the air, which is which is not what you want. Like no, this, no. when he was your biggest threat offensively tonight was Billy Hamilton, and that's that's never a good thing. And when you talk about it like that, it's surprising they even won one game this week. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, you sit Andrew Vaughn out for two of the four games versus Anaheim. You were going to have him as your everyday DH before Eloy got hurt. Now that Eloy's hurt, he was going to be your everyday left fielder. And you're like, no, that's weird. That's just very weird to me. Um, If the guy was going to be in the lineup with the bat, why don't you? And he's not bad with the glove. He's definitely much better, in my opinion, in the two times I've seen him 
much better than what Aloy brings to the table in left field. He knows what he is. He knows what he is not. And he fields the ball in front of him, throws the ball back to the cutoff guy. That's it. Um, I would love to see the youngster get all the opportunities he can get instead of seeing Lori Garcia all the time or Billy Hamilton. We know what these guys are. They've established a career of mediocrity. And that's not bad. It's just they are who they are. To reward them with starts is odd to me. You need to get this kid in the lineup as much as you can. And then getting the proper rest when it's in the dog days of summer. Cool. But he's got two days of rest so far in the four games they played. And that's ridiculous. I mean, come on, let's go. Let's put the kid in there and let's see if he can get his first major league hit somewhere. All right. So the other good things I wanted to highlight, we we talked about your mean um, which is which is fine, you know. Obviously, Michael Kopech, Garrett Crochet mm. this weekend, just awesome, filthy, nasty. When they came in the game, the highest velocities in the games that they appeared in on Friday and Saturday, it was top five velocities. It was each of those guys on their respective nights. So your so your best two players right now are guys that they're trying to ramp up to be full time players next year. <laughs> um, but they were still they were awesome. So I don't want to talk about them too much. They were great. It is what it is. I feel like it's ancient history now. Should we should we hear some voicemails? Some, uh, some yeah, post game voices. All right, let's do it. All right, let's see. We got Tim in DeKalb here. Hi, this is Tim from DeKalb. I, I was that. just calling with a a simple question: Do you think Pito will have uh, Otani's batting gloves in his back pocket tomorrow? <laughs> Tim. Tim, that's hilarious. Awesome. Tim, Tim's a bad guy for that one, but it made me laugh. Rest um, in peace, Otani. Yeah, R.I.P. Shohei. Um, gone for not forgotten. Uh, apparently, it's just general soreness, and I was saluting the shit out of that. Um, but all right, let's see. Uh, it's Bill in Capitol Hill, our guy. Hey, Kenny. It's Bill on Capitol Hill. Um, sure hoping that they fire Greg Walker tonight. <laughs> and maybe let Tony LaRusso drive on up to Seattle. What could go wrong? Oh, jeez. <laughs> this is really taking a turn for, for, for the worst <laughs> the here. Best. Early on. We're four games into it. All right, let's see what else we got here. What's up, Chris and Herbie? It is Greg from San Francisco. Tony LaRusso for years has abided by the closer is the closer because he's the closer. And no offense to Matt Foster, but in the ninth inning, you have to put Liam Hendricks in the ball game. I don't care that it's not a safe situation. You need for your team to have any momentum after the first weekend. I understand that you don't want to be chasing wins. But you have to split that series against a team that is inferior to you based on paper. Uh, I think that by not putting Liam Hendricks in, we're seeing a pattern of bad signs of things to come in regards to bullpen management. And I know that Tony La Russa was supposed to be an upgrade in regards to how he manages the bullpen over Rick Renneria. But based on what I've seen so far, there's nothing that tells me that this is going to be any different thanks guys for always putting up a great show always sending love to the shy from san francisco peace out fellas all right that's a really good call there from greg and and i agree with him there you know i'm trying to walk myself through the the process that that tony was going through at the time hendrix was up 
he was throwing. But I guess the question is, you know, who closes a game if you take a lead at, in that situation? Like, you know, because obviously Kopech and Crochet are, are off the table. You're trying to protect them, and Crochet's not going to come in on a back-to-back night, and Kopech probably not going to come in on two days rest after going two and a third inning. Uh, the night before, so I think your options are, are pretty much nothing at that point. You know, like Ruiz ended up finishing the game, and oh, what a finish it was! But I do kind of see the point. Like, you know, you already had Liam Hendricks up and and warm. You know, so why not just put him out there if if the game was was that important to you? So now, you know, you could argue like, okay, so he's going to be available tomorrow, but you know. Will he be after being up? Like, I don't, you know, you don't see how many pitches he's out there throwing in the bullpen, but yeah, I, you, is that a fair criticism you think from our guy, Sean, in San Francisco? Yeah, I think so because um, I go down with the ship. You know, you paid him a bunch of money, and that's the highest of leverages that you can get in the game. Like, you need to get out of that inning to force more game. So, why don't you put the guy that you say that's your closer, your stopper, put in the game? And I don't understand why Rui starts that started that inning. It doesn't make sense. Give your reliever a chance and give Ruiz a chance to have a good feeling about his game. It's like, oh, man, I feel really good because I think at the end of it, he gets the loss of this game. So he pitches a good eighth, get his ass out, put in the closer or put Matt Foster in that game with a clean inning. And maybe it's a little different. That's what I had a trouble with trouble with. You give clean innings to guys for a reason. Unless you were planning on having Ruiz pitch that whole ninth, which you weren't, apparently, or somebody fell asleep at the wheel and then somebody else like Ethan Katz is like, hey, Tony, you probably don't want to have our probably worst reliever in the game versus Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. You might want to have to change that. That type of stuff. Like, I just don't understand the the thought process into starting Ruiz in that inning. And so, yeah, I would agree with my man from San Francisco. Put your closer in right there. And I know people out there, well, you don't put your closer in non-safe situations. I think Liam Hendricks is a different kind of cat. Yeah, he goes multiple innings. Like, he's famous for that. Exactly. We were talking about that. Like, he is a multiple inning guy. He's a former starter. So that's the type of thing that you got him for. That's why you paid him that money. That's why you stopped paying people money on the free agent market because you got a high price closer. Put him in the game. If he fails, he fails. But at least you tried him out. Now we will never know. And that's a, that's a travesty that I can't live with. And the essence of that series there is locking in, focusing, and being able to strike out and put away Mike Trout. And then you just can't rebound against the rest of the lineup. You know what I mean? That was just the essence of the way that series went. And that's sort of like the essence of being a White Sox fan. Uh, you mentioned uh, you agreeing with someone. I got someone here who tends to always agree with you. Yeah, Paul, correct. Andersonville. Um, what a debacle. I mean, is this really, as a White Sox fan, is this, this is what I have to deal with? This is how the season starts. Oh, God. First and foremost, what a broadcast. <laughs> I work at a bar, as you may or may not know, boys, and uh, haven't been able to hear one yet. It's my first. I didn't work today. So I sat on my couch getting drunk all day, waiting for this game. Uh, yeah, Vestersian and our boy A-Rod. I mean, 
That's Gershon Fine. A-Rod did call the the uh, Shirtani or whatever fucking home run. <laughs> He's awful. Um, oh, that's great. Let's not play our guy. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm calling him yeah, yeah. Your yeah, uh, Mercedes is yeah, yeah from Sandlot. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Let's just he doesn't get to play against Japanese pitchers. Uh, what else? <laughs> uh, hopefully, TA is all right. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure Yoan Mankata is garbage. Oh no, that wow. is and if, that is a fucking Already? deal breaker for the White Sox this year. If I am right and that he is officially garbage, that's not good. Uh, next thing I would say is this. Can I, uh, a new, new grobber, like late night, uh, call that I, I'm, I'm planning is, Ethan Gets, I think he's smashing up the bullpen. We know. This is, who is this guy, Ethan Gets? But why was Matt Foster in? Uh, what is Lucia doing? And then now, uh, other than that, I'll just say I'm going to watch that, uh, that HBOQ into the storm because I love conspiracy theories. Also, I love your show. Start fucking talking more. Love you guys. <laughs> okay. So there's, yeah, there's an HBO documentary about QAnon. Yeah. I'm here for that. I love a good documentary. Um, Paul correct. Always bringing it. Um, it, Yohan Moncada being garbage, he, it's funny because the last show we did was like, oh, Yohan had a really good night, got on base like three times, I think it was, on uh, on Thursday night, and then just looking horrendous. Um, you know, I I don't know what to say about Yohan, man, but like w- without Eloy in the lineup, Yohan's going to have to pick it up a little bit, and we can't say anything about Yohan here until at least like, you know, 60 games. And we can't definitely not say anything until he gets to walk up to his own walk-up song. Like that could be the, the, the cure for what ails him here at this point. Well, I think the, what ails him is um, just bad at bats. He's been overmatched in these uh, at bats. So I think he struck out like seven of the 14 times he's been up there. Not great. Not great at all, Bob. And Maybe going against some lefties will cure him because that I know he's a more strong hitter as a left-handed hitter, but I don't know what the what, what's going on with him. Those pitchers are good, not great, and he made them look great this weekend and reminding me of 2018, Yoan, lack of confidence, and maybe having COVID and the season he went through sapped his confidence. Yes. I, like you said, I need him to listen to his music and said, dude, I made that song. What other <laughs> player out here is making songs and they're walking up to? I wore you that jumper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fuck all this nonsense. I'm that guy. They only give opportunities to people like that because they're great. So let me go up in here and crush these people and show the fans who are back in the stands for me that I'm great. And let's let's dance. Yeah, maybe when he comes home from Seattle, he's a little hot. But I hope he just feasts on these two lefties he's facing early out there in Seattle and then uh, chills out and give him an off day on thir- on Wednesday for the Thursday home opener. All right, let's get to one more uh, voicemail here before we wrap this thing up and tell you what's coming up tomorrow on the show. Hey, guys, this is Fred from Avondale. I just watched that horrible, horrible game between the Sox and the Angels. And after the game, Tony La Russa said he loves the guts on that team. 
and that they didn't give up. What did they do to be competitive during that game? The Angels threw the ball all over the field. The White Sox <laughs> did nothing. It's only game four, guys. Help me out here. Yeah, Fred, I think I uh, appreciate the phone call there. I think you, you nailed it. It is only four games. And th- these games are all important here, especially we, we know with the loss of Eloy, it's going to be a dogfight to the very end. And the, the margin for error is going to be razor thin here. Uh, I'm watching this team out there tonight, and I see a team that doesn't really scare you offensively. You know, they're, they're, they're dynamic, and they can score runs a different variety of ways, but I just don't think any of those ways right now currently is the home run ball, which is a big-time problem. So I'm just looking at the lineup, and I'm wondering if Rick has got to do something here uh, to, to just get, get you know, just get some energy going in this team and a threat to go deep. You know, the Angels, like they've got multiple people there. Even the ancient Albert Pujols is a threat to take you deep as he took Dallas Keuchel deep the other night. So uh, I worry uh, about this team in the short term, and hopefully they can get the uh, ship righted here in Seattle. But uh, I, I would mean, love for them, him, Rick Hahn, to go and trade for Charlie Blackman. Do something. We need a spark. We need something that is more sure. It's just so deflating knowing that your seven through nine are just going to be outs. And that sometimes includes Luis Robert, who's um, 300. Eesh. But most of those are like infield hits. And you throw him anything, anything he's going to be swinging at. And so I don't understand why people keep on pitching him in the zone. Just throw him a ball that's in the left-handed batter's box, and he'll swing at it like he did today. Yeah, you know, he had that check swing in that final strikeout he had where you think, okay, maybe he's finally getting it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're seeing him realize, okay, I can't swing at this, but, oh, it's too late now. You know, maybe next time he'll give it a better effort. But, yeah, I, I worry about Lou Bob, man. Like, it's 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 not good right now, and it's, it's September Lou Bob. But well, the thing with him is, though, like, you know, at least he'll play – Excellent defense, other than when the ball's ricocheting off his off his head. Um, he's going to play good center field for you, and hopefully he'll I run think into that killed one. The White Sox this weekend—that's what killed the White Sox. We were coming off that good feeling on Friday, kicking yeah, Heaney's ass, and then we're about to get out of that inning, and Lance Lynn was cruising. We we're doing well, and that is what murdered the White Sox in L.A. All right, we'll take Erase a quick- that. Throw that shit in the garbage. You know, like football coaches, like throw that tape in the garbage. Don't watch it. Let's go to Seattle, let's get some coffee, and let's go. Absolutely. We'll come back, tell you what's coming up tomorrow here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever, and somehow the new and improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. I can tell you that by firsthand experience. I'm actually running out of Built Bars right now after ordering my last batch about a month ago, and I like to wait till Monday morning, and I go on the website, BuiltBar.com, and I refresh and see what kind of flavors they got, because they've always got something new and interesting, and best of all, delicious. I think I can declare now, I've been talking up the coconut for quite some time, but I think I can truly declare that German chocolate cake is my favorite new flavor at builtbar.com but the problem is sometimes they run out of stock of my favorite flavor so you have to get there and make sure you get your order in so your favorite flavor doesn't disappear so what i like to do when i'm ordering new built bars is i go to builtbar.com and i like to place an order for my favorites your coconut german chocolate cake but then i'll throw in a flavor that i haven't really tried yet to see if i like it 
It's not expensive. You know, you throw in an extra six on top of what you were going to originally order, and you may find a new flavor that you haven't experienced before. For example, my last order, I added in six of the mint brownie flavor, and boy, are they delicious. Only 130 calories with a whopping 17 grams of protein, and guess what? Only four grams of sugar. It's so delicious. I need my chocolate fix, even as I'm trying to eat healthier. The chocolate fix, for me anyway, it's not going away. So why not treat myself with the most delicious tasting protein bar ever? Built Bar. So head to BuiltBar.com now, see what flavors they have cooking up. I'll let you guys know tomorrow what I end up ordering, and then maybe you can copy my order. But if you see something you like up there now, don't hesitate. Grab it before it's gone. That's BuiltBar.com, our promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to give you an advantage in your leagues. Locked on Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data, or is it data, and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer his strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked on Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Herbie, so here we are. We're in the middle of, uh, of a West Coast trip here. Uh, the Sox have three more games at the Mariners, 9 o'clock, 9-10 Central starts for Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday's game will be a 3-10 start ahead of Thursday's 3-10 home opener against Kansas City. So rest of the week, we'll just be doing post-game breakdowns. We'll have Monday night's post-game breakdown Tuesday morning as early as possible, um, and the same goes for Tuesday. Wednesday is going to be a little tricky, um, but here's the thing, Herbie. Uh, we, we get out of work when this game ends, so maybe we could just stay at the studio and do like a, a quick post game uh, on Wednesday. We both get out around 6 o'clock from, from mm-hmm. work, uh, although I think there is a Cubs Day game on Wednesday. I'm not sure, but either way, we'll have a post game recap of Wednesday, and it's, a, it's an important one because on Thursday, this actually works out in my favor, on Thursday, I am going to get my Johnson & Johnson vaccine Thursday morning. So I'm glad it's not a late game on Wednesday because I was already trying to figure out a way to shoehorn a show that's not like a a late-night post-game breakdown. So this works out in my benefit here for a Wednesday post-game. So what what do you say? We uh, we we post-game it every day this week? I'm in for that. That sounds good, and I hope... That we can post game it for three wins in Seattle. That'll be so sweet. And then come home and beat the hell out of the Kansas City Royals. Whoop them, as Timmy says. And have Timmy in that lineup. Yeah, we need we need Timmy in that lineup, man. What come on, Timmy, we need you. Well, I just want to whoop him every time playing. Yeah, we need you to whoop on KC. So yeah, we'll we'll be back and uh you can get a hold of us how. 312-566-8727 is the way you can participate like these fine gentlemen or Ladies, come on. We need you to call to 312-566-8727. Leave a voicemail for us. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way you can leave an email for us. Even though we're not necessarily dedicating time for a Mailbag Monday this week, we will be reading them all. So send them in. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me or Tanny, mine is at EcknerWall23. Tanny's at Chris Tannehill on Twitter, and we, as a collective, are at Locked On Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Oh yeah, should end, end the show right here. Please, too. please oh. end it. End this road trip. End this season. <laughs>
end it all. Thank you guys for listening to this depressing one in three version. Of- Callers, we appreciate you. Oh it yeah, it's fun. so awesome to yeah. call. I mean, we wish we can do the actual like White Sox post game. I this, wonder if Connor McKnight's doing that. Nah, dude, this we're gonna turn this into the real official White Sox post game. Like, and the best thing about our post game callers, we don't actually have to interact with them. <laughs> Not at all. They can That's say it. their piece. We don't interrupt them. You know, we may have a little quip over him, but we're not, we're gonna let you say your piece, and ultimately we have the last word. So it's really ideal. It's it's what sports radio is anyway. <laughs> ah, come on, hey, come on. So thank you for listening to this episode of Locked On Socks.